Greetings program. Hello and welcome to Toronto Logically Speaking, a movie by minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. This is Minute 83. I'm your host Duncan Shields and returning with me today is my relaxed, creative and all-round great guy guest co-host Angus Syme. Welcome Angus. Hello. It's great to have you back, man. It was some wonderful stuff we talked about last time. I'm looking forward to uh, getting into Minute 83. Let's see. So what what happens in this minute? Flynn brings Yori back from being derezzed and brings her to fly Sark's cruiser. Tron engages in some more casual murder as we bid goodbye to 1975 Foxy Lady Centerfold and Sark's Lieutenant Tony Stefano. Dumont and the other programs are led into the inner chamber of the MCP where they're flung against the walls and tortured. So it's a lot, lot happening in this minute. So uh, this is the beginning here where, yeah, Fl- Flynn is still holding on to Yori and gazing at her. She looks up at him with her big, beautiful eyes. He looks down at her. They breathe for a while. She's having a pretty intense moment here. And she says, you brought me back with a lot of wonder. This guy basically just saved her life with a touch. I would have liked to see her derez a bit more or to have it be like a like a painful derezzing like in the beginning of the film. Not that I want to see Yori suffer or anything, but just so that so that something happens cuz as it stands I didn't see the derezzing pass sweep through the room like the nothing in the never-ending story killing everything, you know, like I didn't I didn't see that take place. So the lights just kind of dimmed and she just had like a like a, a brownout it has like this entire scene again has a kind of like disco feel okay um because the way it's done like the room has kind of it feels very like practical effects okay um, yeah you know you you can see what they're running behind later yeah. on you can you know it's really just concentrating on them and when other things have vanished they've at least kind of like turned into painted on light yeah, you know, yeah. Like when yeah. someone dies in Tron, they they explode into light. Yeah. But she sort of doesn't really do much. They just like dim dim the lighting on her clothing. Yeah, and I wonder if that was an an effects budget thing or 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 what happened there because that really does. Yeah, because it doesn't really sell the moment. But it's like they were talking back in the in the energy cave when they're drinking the water, right? Like they drink the water and they pulse blue, like their glow increases. But there's it's an it's there's enough gray area that you're like, is he just like enjoying the water, <laughs> you know, or like because he's supposed to be filling up on power and that's supposed to be power flowing back into him. But there's all these other emotional beats where whenever anybody gets angry, they flare their color or they get happy, they flare their color. So there's this like a, a language that they kind of. That, that ends up being to their own detriment because if they're getting derezzed and they just fade, it's like they're just getting sad. Did they use the like any form of pulsing in the sequel, or did they like abandon that? I think they abandoned that. You either get uh, like derezzed and fall into cubes, but there wasn't a, there wasn't like a, a dimming and glowing um, that I remember in in keeping with their emotional beats. Yeah, like I, I think the problem about it is a is like a glowing thing, is it's too much like a pulse, and I think as a human being, when you see a pulse, you instantly go, "Oh, that's breathing." 
Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, unless it's like obviously like the heartbeat, like it's in time with the heartbeat, and then it slows down and slows down and slows down, and they're obviously dying. Yeah, it yeah, wasn't yeah. really done with that. They just kind of like faded a bit. I I don't think the actress is being particularly well served. No, but by this script, I, I feel like they very reluctantly are like there needs to be some kind of romance too. Yeah, the, you know, the romance. The yeah, the romance so, feels. What some, is this? Someone find me an actress. Yeah, um, you know, you've got like Jeff Bridges, who obviously has had a very long and successful career, and then I think she appeared in like Caddyshack. Yeah, that was it. Before this was Caddyshack, and nothing else. Not really. No, not much to speak of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. She could be a very fine actress, but well, she also goes around to all the conventions along with Bruce Boxleitner. Bruce Boxleitner and her were in a show called Bring it, called Bring Him Back Alive where she plays the uh US ambassador to the she's a Singapore consul to the to the to the US embassy and he's like a a whip cracking James Bondy Indiana Jones type going after uh I don't know artifacts or whatever it was it was like an Indiana Jones TV show is she meant to be from Singapore no no she's uh she's a an Oklahoma girl or whatever from uh, I was going to say that's I either that is like one saving grace but 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 you know yellow face or um it is just like that horrible like we had casting they did back then yeah but he does i mean to be fair he does have an asian sidekick called like number one boy or something like that so it doesn't it doesn't you know at least they didn't go all the way into yellow face but uh i will always love bruce marxlinger for my beloved babylon five. Oh yeah he was he was you know um, well, he shows up, right? You're like, hey, do you want to do this? He says, sure. <laughs> you know, that's... And and I say this as like a follically challenged person. I still look at him and like, good hair. Yeah, no doubt. People, like when he appeared in the in the sequel, I was like, oh, damn you. <laughs> still rocking that beautiful head of hair, definitely. Yeah, but it, but it's now it's like white and he looks like a CEO. He looks like a nice yeah. CEO. Well, there was uh, there was uh, the the director Steven Lisberger said that he wanted Tron to be the way that Bruce Boxleitner looks now. Really? Yeah, he wanted Tron. He originally invented Tron to be much older. Interesting. Yeah, like a beleaguered warrior, and then like uh, and then Flynn was like a you know twenty something nerdy upstart. That's wow. weird, given their relationship. Yeah, but it's then not like Obi Wan versus, you know, um, Luke Skywalker. It's much more, yeah. you know, Jeff Bridges is, is the wizard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. Uh, especially like, there are moments I remember from Tron very distinctly. Um, others I'd forgotten entirely. Yeah, I remember, um, you know, the light cycle yeah. chase. I remember the tank. Yeah, appearing. Uh, I remember him being derezzed into you know into the arcade thing. And yeah. one of the things I remember really strongly, which is in a very in a quite probably quite recent minute, is where they're on that very cool device which rides like a beam, and the beam's broken. Yeah, and he like gets sailor, in front yeah. and essentially generates a new beam. Yeah, because you know he's a coder. <laughs> yeah, he he can alter the code on the fly, and they're all like, oh, "You are." You know, you're literally like a god. Yeah. Um, I'm sure if I watched it now, I'd be like, oh, I remember it as being a bit more exciting than that. But, uh, well, that sequence, that sequence is still pretty cool. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it still looks fantastic. 
Um, I, I remember like the visualization of it. Um, apparently, they used that in the thing I just mentioned, Babylon Five. Okay. For one of the racer ships, the idea of these kind of wings opening up. Oh, cool. And almost like a space sail, which it's traveling through. So yeah, there you go. Nice. Anyway, carry on. Uh, in the creator's commentary, Lisberger also talks about how they missed a golden opportunity here to make her become literally real. Like they yes. want, they wanted Cindy Morgan to actually come into full color with hair and everything. Like Flynn's user powers are so massive that they bring her all the way to biological user status for a second. He's really adamant about it in the commentary. Like he said, he goes so far as to say that if he could change one shot, that would be it. Like half her be, like half her be all like, what's it like on Mount Olympus where you come from and like full color as she experiences userdom for a second. And I don't know. I'm kind of, um, I don't. I don't think I agree with him on that. But he's I, really I was about it. to say it's it's the, the problem about something like, like that is it breaks the it breaks the reality with which the viewer is being confronted. Yeah, I I think that um, a lot of people I've, I've worked with a bunch of say uh, designers in games. Yeah, and they occasionally want to do something in a scene that you know is done as like oh it's a joke or it's a you know, it all of a sudden it's kind of meta commentary or yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I find that unless unless the entire setting is designed for, say, jokes or meta commentary or whatever, just doing a one-off usually falls flat. Yeah. Because all it does is jar you. And then the audience leaves going, why did she have hair for a moment? Yeah, you're like, she doesn't Whoa, have wait, hair what? again. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. in the sequel, I know, like, at, at the end, the, the romantic interest ends up in our world. Yeah. And that's okay. That's like, you know, the, the end point of the game is he saves her by pulling her into the world she's heard about and yeah. she's very excited to be part of. That's absolutely fine. This would have just been weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because it's like there's that world and there's our world, right? Like even Flynn doesn't look like a user in their world. Yes, Right, so you wouldn't you wouldn't have her coming back to full color, uh, so I yeah I I agree. It, you you gotta not break the world that you've set up, right? A lot of people will say something like, um, you know, I didn't like this part because it really took me out of the movie, and they're like, you're watching a movie about nuclear powered superheroes fighting vampires, like, and you're 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 quibbling over this, and I'm like, no, no, you don't understand, like, no, 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 I I 100 agree. It's like there's there's the rules that were set up in the beginning of the film, and then yeah. you broke them. Like that's... I think that's that's why a lot of people were very upset with I think I think the prequels of Star Wars, yeah, because they they broke the rules that they felt the universe had established. Yeah. Um, and I think that over time, a lot of people have had problems with the more recent ones yeah. because they have also broken, they've broken like the, the original films were based on a kind of reaction to pulp. Yeah. You know, they, they, they had that very like Flash Gordon, Frank Frazetta drawing, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Helmet and yeah, like well, like well documented, like influences very, in that regard. Well right? yeah. And all of a sudden, and I think this is we're going through this weird period where everything is is kind of very loyal visually to the past. Yeah, sometimes like painfully so, mm. but internally the monologue is all about like, but how do I feel? And a lot of these early yeah. shows weren't concerned 
no. at all. They're just like, you go out the door because it's the right thing to do. And now you have yeah. someone sitting around going, but, but why should I, I've got PTSD. I'm well, it's scared. a, it's, it's a like, different, no, no, yeah. it's a pulp thing. Get, get out the door. Indiana Jones does not sit around whispering. Well, no. he will now. He yeah. Will, he will refuse the call to duty and he will spend an hour talking about like, maybe I'm too violent or something like this. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that breaks the reality of the franchise. Well, it it break is the spine of yeah. It does break the reality of the franchise, and it's what happens when you have something that spans, my gosh, what almost forty years now, I guess, or something like the like because the beginning like part of the uh, part of the success of Star Wars was hey, do you remember old serials? Hey, do you remember pulp? Like it was an echo of something that the boomer audience got. Got. God, and I think that it's it's interesting because it's but that uh, the, the, that audience is gone now. So you've still so you've still got a, a a core based around that, but you have a new woker millennial audience that you have to write for that will ask those questions. Well, how does this person feel on the inside? Like you know, they will, so. but I. Like something I, I feel, and this but is the two a, don't the two don't mix. I like I hear what you're saying. I don't think the, they, the two they don't mix. mix. I mean, th- this isn't a, an opinion I have. I could be very wrong, yeah. um, but I, I think that one of the problems about having very extended IPs is that a lot of IPs die a death yeah. at a certain point. Yeah, because what makes them great doesn't necessarily translate decades down the line. There's a yeah. couple of IPs which obviously do. Yeah. Probably the most famous is um, Sherlock Holmes. Because yeah, Sherlock sure. Holmes, you can reimagine he could be a space robot, he could be an alien walking among us, whatever it is, as long as it's someone who's vastly intelligent. Yeah, like that, the, like the, yeah, the cold, emotional, like the Benedict, solves yeah. things. The Benedict Cumberbatch remake of that one was wonderful to watch. Yeah, but, but so, you know, that you have everything from House. I saw a female sure. Japanese version, a gender flipped one. Yeah. Um, you can do it, but other ones like a a good example of one which doesn't is things like say Conan. Sure. They're always occasionally trying to reboot Conan, but trying to make him a bit more woke. Yeah. Why the problem about Conan is people liked him because he wasn't. He was a male fantasy of a kind of you know I walk into a bar and I'm the toughest man in that bar and the, yeah and there is something like savage and brutal you know almost that kind of you know when civilization crashes then yeah. I my my you know i am legend time has come yeah and i will somehow thrive and blah 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 and you know he's he's like sort of pay on to a, a type of man who's banished yeah um people liked i think a lot of say heroines of the time like say red sonia or even wonder woman who was originally yeah. very popular because they were like bad girl comics um, yeah, because the stuff which you just can't do with the character anymore because people will be like, "This is offensive." But yeah, they sold an awful lot of things because they were sexy and you know had all these trappings. You know, like not wearing very much or blah blah blah. If you tried to like update them, it takes away what people found very appealing about a thing, but doesn't necessarily replace it with something that you could have otherwise put your energies on a newer character. Yeah. So anyway, that was very far off tangent. Uh, but anyway, so uh, she asks, how? Why did you bring me back? And Flynn responds with, I need your help. Come on. Which is offhandedly, I think, a little smidge cold-hearted, but I don't think he meant it like that. I think he means like, don't worry about it. I need your help. But it sort of comes across as, I would have let you die if I didn't need your help. <laughs> right? With, don't with worry, a, I'll, de- I'll de-res you after this. Yes, the, the, the added implication of, if you don't help me, you will die, right? So... 
So they, they clippity clop out of the room, which looks like you said, very much like an 80s music video here. Just uh, ne- neon triangles, like more so that. Yeah. More so than the rest of the film. This is very much like, a, you know, plainly just chunks of wood with lights on them, you know, like it doesn't. Or, well, yeah, it's not. But anyway, we see we see yeah, Sark's cruiser continue to be derezzed. I'm not sure where they are in the ship. You know, I was maybe... thinking that watching that, I was like, wouldn't it be unfortunate if they were at the beginning? Oh, no. <laughs> Quick, we have to. Oh, jeez. Oh. oh, we can escape. Uh, oh, yes. But luckily, they seem to be at the back for a very, very extended de-resing sequence. Yeah, like maybe it was just that the, the power that went out as the de-resing gate hits the nose of the ship because there's still a floor to run on. So maybe it didn't wash through the cell. I'm, I'm still, I'm always been a bit confused by the de-resing sequence. Like, are they racing ahead one step ahead of the nothing or has it passed them already? Or has it not gotten to them yet? Because, because I'm assuming it hasn't gotten to them. Okay. But the, 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 the devices are more, yeah, the, the, the kind of, I'm not even sure how it's still flying without like falling over, but it yeah. is a computer world. So yeah. there is a logic to it. There's, yeah, this rule, like the fact that it doesn't fall out of the air doesn't bother me as much as like, why are they not dead? You've set this thing up to be like the guillotine. And so like, so if, if you were directing this, you'd have him say, you know, I need your help. And by the way, we're at the back of the ship. So we're, yeah. quite, so we're quite close to the control center. Or they could say, Thank God, should... because if we were at the front of the ship, we'd be or in just, real trouble. We need to get... <laughs> Let's go forward to the controls before the de-resing gates gets there or something that like at least places them somewhere. Because I don't see you know, in these wide shots. A 14-year-old version of you encountering the director at a convention. <laughs> Excuse me. I loved your film, but I have, I'm, I'm very curious. I, uh, I printed out your screenplay and I have notes. Uh, you see here on page 36. Extensive notes. Stephen Lisberg. <laughs> colored tabs sticking out of it like. Steven Lisberger just like just staring yeah just like what so uh in this shot here I don't see their tiny finger their their tiny figures in the in the in the wireframe they're not running along so it also happened uh also she came back to life without much in the way of music cues which is a little odd for like a main a main character coming back to life there's a few scenes there's a few elements of the scene that kind of rob it of impact in some ways. And like just in a way that make the viewer that makes the viewer think like, well, like did something just happen? Like what just, did she die? You know, like, or where are they? You know, like, so it's, there's just a bit in the editing there, but anyway, that's the way it is. We cut to a Dutch angle of the MCP and his spinning, spinning face, like a Batman villain in his lair. Like, meanwhile, at the MCP headquarters. Look at that big round face. Look at that big round <laughs> face. face. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a just, little. It's, it's, it is. It's, yeah. Well, it's, it's the fact that they stretched the face, but they added a nose. Yeah. Like, if you notice this, the, the nose sticks out. It really like, does. In a weird way. And, and, yeah. and an eyebrow. So, yeah. Oh, very weird. Yeah, very strange. So we cut to the older programs being shuffled into the MCP's housing while Sark watches. They're walking around the uh, metallic gray ground with these massive glowing red fissures in it. I imagine that falling into one of those fissures is automatic death by cyber lava or whatever. Like perhaps it's the digital representation of the massive heat sink that the MCP needs to keep up all the calculation he needs to be doing while running the entire grid and branching out into the world. In the sequel, did they still have the idea of like centralized computing, or did was it more like cloud-based? 
It was still centralized in the sequel, which is something that always kind of bothered me about the sequel, was that there's still it's still the entire world that they're in is still housed. This is the impression I got that the entire world that they're in is still housed inside a mainframe in uh, Flynn's arcade basement. I don't. I didn't get that. Imp- I didn't get the impression because they've got the line. Um, my wife Amber really likes the Tron soundtrack yeah. and he has that great beginning where he says you know i tried to wonder what the what the world would be like yeah you know would would would, would essentially be data be like and, and he's kind of like talking about the internet yeah he is but they like don't packets of data flowing back and forth so i assume yeah. that the expansiveness of the world is like it has to be connected well but but it isn't because they never talk about it like that's the whole thing about legacy was that I wanted it to be topical because I wanted them to connect to the internet because his whole plan of bringing real life soldiers into Flynn's basement so they can wander out single file into our world only to be paralyzed by the first time they feel rain and get all like, wow, what is this? You know, like I don't, I don't, it's a, it's a flawed plan, but if he was going to go into the internet and take over the launch codes and everybody's bank account, that's a that's a that's a real threat, but I don't think he's even aware that the internet exists. And, and haven't they seen Wreck It Ralph too, where there are so many like topical internet jokes you can make? I I thought Wreck It Ralph two was better than Wreck It Ralph. I loved Wreck It Ralph two, and I kept I kept well, okay, but hear me out. Like it's rep it's representation of uh, Facebook and Google and all that. That's definitely something i could have done I, I i felt that it leaned too heavily but again this is like off topic but it, it, <laughs> you, you know the things where you know there's kind of like early animated things like there's that one fish one with will smith yeah 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 so painful shark tail like, shark tail yeah. yeah shark tail and it's got so many painful references so many painful things references that, yeah. that in like three years time no one will remember yeah because they've all gone out of business because no argument done there. during the internet boom so no argument there for sure and even the title. Yes. It should be Ralph Wrecks the Internet, but it's Ralph Breaks the Internet. And nobody remembers why it's called Breaks the Internet anymore. You know, like. So, anyway, I hear you. But that was. I kept watching Record Ralph 2 going, this is the Tron sequel that I wanted. <laughs> you know, like, not like that. You know, kind of like, you know, switch in, uh, switch in the. Ma- not like this. Not like this. But, like, but, uh, but. God bless that actress who, who did so much with so little. They say, right? But like the, not, not like this. Two lines. And, and, and she's like, I'd like to wear white. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, God bless you, lady. Totally. And, yeah. Two lines that echo down like 50 years from now, people will be saying, not like this. Because <laughs> you just feel it. You just feel it so hard, you know. Anyway, okay. Uh, I assume that uh, these programs are headed up the ramp to the MCP. Uh, I don't know if this is an error, but they're, they're, all the old programs are marching towards a pretty huge crack at the bottom of the MCP's base. Like, there's no way they're going to do anything besides just fall into that lava crevice. Yep. So this image looks like, like this image does kind of look like something out of a dream, though, because the ground here isn't ordered. Like, it's not a grid. The cracks seem like a shattered mirror under a macro lens or something. I suppose like maybe it's supposed to represent the corruption of the MCP undermining the whole grid or something like that, but I don't know. So we cut to Sark's lieutenant standing by himself in the shuttle cockpit, staring off into space, probably hating his life 
or or thinking about what to make for dinner tonight or just humming a song. His posture here isn't great. It's 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 poor guy. He doesn't know that these are his last few seconds. Like I know he's on the side of bad, but honestly, all I've seen him do is take abuse from Sark. I feel like he should get a pass, but I'd make a horrible soldier really. So what do I know? Uh, we get a we get a close up of his face and some faint radar ping noises, maybe ambient noises from the shuttle. That he whips his head up into screen right, hearing a small thump on the top of the shuttle or from one of the walls. And then we get a sweet, sweet solo shot of Tron's identity disc swooping through the air by itself with these beautiful light trails. All these shots were done hand done. All these shots like this were done hand done. It comes up and then down. And I, I wonder if you give your desk, if you give your disc like a, do you just give it a set of instructions with your mind before you throw it? Or if you throw it like a, like a boomerang, or if you put a spin on it, like a cue ball and pool, like, cause these discs don't really obey the laws of physics, but well, I love wasn't it, it based know. on, uh, I remember reading years ago that the disc were based on like the old Olympic discus. Yeah. yeah. Like the discus for some reason. Like rather than a boomerang or a gun or anything, they really liked the kind of you know muscular Greek statue. Yeah, flinging a disc. Yeah, well, that's in keeping with the sort of like Roman Colosseum, Greek Olympics, like like that 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 sort of goes through this whole. This, there's a lot. There's some ancientness to their character design with the one one shoulder sash and. I I know. think like again I'm I'm reacting to my memory of this as a kid. The the disc was interesting because in hindsight it's a really cool idea. Yeah. But I didn't know a single kid who paid any attention to it after seeing the light cycle scene. Sure. Like the light cycles are such a better idea. Yeah. You know, and I like the fact that the discs are part of their back and you know, yeah. really, really cool ideas like this, but the light cycles were much cooler. So They're way cooler. It's, it's I remember seeing a uh, Guillermo del uh, Toro talk about Blade. Okay. And and he said, um, Amber disagrees with me, but she said this story a couple of times. Is um, He basically said that Blade, the opening scene was so good. Right. <laughs> like it, shot, it shot its wad so hard in that <laughs> first five minutes that he's like, nothing in the film can compare. No. Because that scene with like, you know, it's it's a blood rave and vampires yeah. going crazy. And then Blade comes in and just kills them. You know, yeah. hundreds of vampires and he's one guy and just takes them all down yeah and after that you're like oh my god that was amazing and then the rest yeah. of the film is like oh i'm just like you know cruising around with vampires putting on something yeah it's like if it would have been like closing credits that would have been like ah oscars oscars <laughs> you know it's it's like those james bond films you remember for the opening scene like the skiing yeah. one yeah the parachute rather than like what happened next uh, yeah I don't know. anyway uh, okay, so uh, the disc swoops down out of the top of the screen. It takes Sark's lieutenant in the chest, sending his now glowing body down to the ground before it disappears in a glowing spasm of circles of light that shoot up off screen. Tron drops down like Spider-Man from the top of the screen. We get another shot of the disc hooking around in the air with electronic swooping noises and then back to Tron with his hand in the air as the disc comes right to him like a falcon back to a falconer. This is another one of those movements where the sound design really saves it from looking like a frisbee, you know, like yeah, yeah. there's a clink as, it, as he catches it. There's this like clink, like it's metal. I, I, I think they porcelain. also did like a, a genuinely good job with the painting of the light. Like yeah. When you see oh, it yeah. kind of, like land on him and, and he lights up. 
Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's like yeah. illuminating. I, I noticed that it doesn't reflect anywhere else. It does like <laughs> illuminate the floor, the just walls, him. blah, yeah, blah, blah. Just yeah. him. So some, someone was like, you know, nope, there's enough paint on yeah. this. He's well, light enough. Yeah, you want to do the background? Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it's and not also, a reflective yeah. surface. It's matte. Maybe there was a, a, a steps to the process. Like they drew the light on Tron and then they comped him into the background. So they didn't realize because I know that sequence that you that you like with him putting his arm into the energy and creating a bridge. That's one of the most intense sequences in the film because they had to paint the light on the CG solar sailor and they had to paint the light on the characters and uh, and and it's a stuttering, flickering light, right? So, so it's a it's a pretty wild. Okay, well, then we get a, a shot of the old man walking up the ramp to the MCP, but it's further away, so you can't really see the unbridgeable chasm between the ramp and the floor because of the perspective. There's a few shots like this in the movie where you're like, uh, but they all just died. Okay, but that doesn't make any sense. That, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't work, but it was never meant to be, I think, looked at one minute at a time, so I'm quite, quite forgiving about it. <laughs> you just sound like, whatever, just... Let it go. Let it go. Yeah, walk, yeah. walk away. Talk away. <laughs> Whatever you want. Talk away. I don't even care. I, 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 don't, I don't even care. I don't even care. It doesn't, it doesn't even matter. Some of us would put in the extra hours, but apparently that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's my own fault. It's my own fault. It's my own fault. I, I make hiring choices and yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. enjoy enjoy your long, long vacations. Yeah, it kind of looks like they're all being sacrificed to a volcano at the moment. That's what I thought when I first saw it. There's a great little... Blast another blast of red light races through the cracks. The previous minute, but especially because we're looking at a sequence with like a a very doe-eyed woman, yeah, uh, a a hero type, people being sacrificed into a volcano. Yeah, this this is this thing is despite being all technologically glowing neon, nothing about it is technological. Yeah, one hundred percent. This this could be a like a planetary romance. Yeah, and I, you know, guy goes to another planet, gets a magic discus. There is an evil overlord who plans on doing some stuff. He's got special powers because he comes from Earth. He has a sword, not a sword, a discus. You know, it was, it was, it was back in the eighties where. Do you remember that where where barbarians had like you know triple bladed swords? Oh yeah, Kroll had that weird thing he threw. Yeah. You know, it's like, can he have a sword? No, I think there's a passe. We need something else, perhaps like a boomerang stick or a, yeah, you know, maybe a pet lizard which can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because remember, it, in the sword and the sorcerer, he's got the three bladed sword, but the middle blade shoots out. Right, he presses the trigger on the handle, and the middle blade actually flies out. And I remember that it was so bad. Awful. And, and, but but when I was like. 10 oh yeah really cool i was like wouldn't it be great and then someone's like trying to explain the physics of a blade (laughs) there wouldn't be much of a spring mechanism yeah yeah just more like fall off clink (laughs) falls on the ground oh well now i have a two-bladed weapon (laughs) a two-bladed weapon quick hit the blade eject button like what if wolverine's claws but one of them like (laughs) flung its way yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man that'd be funny yeah he draws his claws okay anyway so we cut to we cut to Sark's character Sark's carrier continuing to be derezzed and I get that this is supposed to represent like a ticking clock kind of situation that our heroes are in jeopardy but I do have a bit of a hard time buying that this ship would take this long to be erased 
It's getting cl- it's getting closer to the bridge now. Maybe it was all one sequence in the beginning conceptually, but it's but the editing is making it like because I think if you take the sequence of the ship being derezzed, all those scenes together, it works. But when you intercut it with four or five other scenes, the ship is the ship is taking like an hour to get derezzed, and you're like, well, that's not how this works. I, I think if you had like a normal editor, um, you would see like they would be on the bridge of the ship. Yeah, like they, they would wake up on it, you know, kind of like handcuffed to something or whatever, and okay. then you would see the the ship from their angle, the ship being dissolved. Yeah, and so there would be the sense of like, oh no, we need to get to the controls before the derezzing hits the controls. Yeah, or we're going to die. Some pressure like this, yeah. but it's it it's too high a budget to do something like that. Yeah, and I think there was I think a lot of times where after editing together the sequence they would be like, "Oh, you know what? We need some different shots." And they were like, "Well, you're out of luck." <laughs> you know, like this the film comes out next month and it takes 2 months to generate a shot. So, yeah, it's it, it's an interesting yeah. one. It, it's like as I say, it came at a time when people were trying new things. Yeah. And you look at a lot of films that came out then um i i've got like a weird fondness but i will never watch it again because i know i'd be very disappointed for the black hole uh, I wa- yeah i watched the yeah. black hole yeah please yeah, yeah. don't like don't do it yeah, <laughs> like, don't, I, don't don't watch I, it again let but me the, be like because I, yeah. I watched it like about two or three years ago and i was like, like oh, god. oh god but the design of the ship is amazing incredible it's like, it's like this cathedral palace. right yeah, yeah it's like this floating glass cathedral yeah. i've never seen another ship like it yeah so for that alone oh maybe i think i saw ships like that in uh jupiter ascending oh okay yeah and and i guess um warhammer yeah sure 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 hammer has these like floating cathedrals yeah yeah you know but they're very very rare yeah and that was really the only one who ever did it so you can keep it's like tron you can have like these moments which you stand out and you're like they're really cool and then yeah. your, your nostalgia brain conveniently hides away holes from plateau to volcano yeah and it's interesting though because like re-watching tron still gives me a lot of satisfaction you know it re-watching the, the black hole i'm like oh oh dear you know like so there's this there's, there's some movies that still stand the test of time but with with tron it's the art direction and with tron it's the the concepts because i like I, I remember i was really i was kind of i was hard on legacy because I thought Tron was amazing and I thought that Legacy kind of dropped the ball. But after doing this investigation, I'm like, oh, the original Tron actually has a lot of flaws too. A lot of flaws. Um, I, yeah. I think and, very... and part of them is what you're saying. Like, it's like they're going to throw people into a volcano. There's rescuing the woman. And I'm like, this is this is a plot from 1955. And uh, But it's the same with Legacy. And I really faulted Legacy for that. But then... Oh, it's the same in the original. So I, I think that this because no one had ever done like a sci-fi thing before. It hid the fact that it was, it you know, it was it was a pulp fantasy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah because he, didn't, like... he doesn't have a sword, you know, like the discus yeah. weirdly because it's so high tech. Yeah, disguises the fact that actually it's it's the equivalent of a sword. Yeah, he's got a fantasy bow or something of that. Yeah, sort. that magical device. Um, yeah. very, very, very few films I've found hold up from this time period Very and i'm few. not I'm, yeah. I'm not like um there, there's obviously like you know the non-sci-fi ones like the godfather or whatever sure um i i think 
as we talked about last time, uh, Star Wars holds up. Uh, recently, we watched Indiana Jones, the first one. Yeah. And the only thing which doesn't really hold up again is the women. Yeah. Like, she holds up very badly. Yeah. Um, as a character, I, I remember yeah. her being better, and I'm like, oh my god, you're you're terrible. Yeah. But as far as like the set design goes, the way he's introduced, the you know, like you, Steven Spielberg has always been very solid. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he understands that it's a he understands that it's a visual medium, in a way that not a lot not a lot of other directors do. So, but, so why did he go so crazy in the Crystal Skull? Like, how how does a man do Indiana Jones and then like I, I know, just keep I just thirty keep years thinking, later is like you know what we need more monkeys. He's just like it's he'll the, survive. The, I don't know in a fridge. What the hell? I keep thinking of Krusty the Clown. You know, like <laughs> they drove a dump truck full of money up to my house. I'm not made of stone. You know, like. I, <laughs> And it starts out. It starts out great, you know. I love the greasers versus the the preppies in the fifties diner, and, and I'm just it's, it's it starts like the opening shot of the the, the gopher is fine, but it it, I, it it I just couldn't survive that. No, for no, no, I hear you. Okay, no, I, that was it. Everybody was like, "Well, I'm oh, out." Done. Yep. <laughs> How much longer? Oh, two hours. Oh my god. Okay. I, th- I think as a thing, I would really like to see in films is it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with special effects these things should like we've moved so far away from real yeah when you look at the avengers captain america can like full a hundred stories and land yeah yeah he's got a shield under him what the hell and you're like i don't know it's like there is something being lost where people are struggling I really, I really, I really felt that in Galaxy Guardians of the Galaxy Two, mm-hmm. like there's some like when uh, when Drax is being dragged behind the ship and he's like hitting nine hundred trees going through the forest, and then he's like, I'm like nobody's dead. Like even this is what we were talking about with the rules that you set up in the beginning. Yes. If you can't, if you if you break those rules, then it's like well now there's no suspense because nobody can die. Yes, and I and I think that the like I would love to see that kind of realism creep back into the cinema. I sure would. Um, when you think of like Jurassic Park, yeah, you know, you, you, you knew that they were in real trouble, and they and you also like half of your brain like, really like... crazy stuff, <laughs> you know. But like this, but in the first one, right? Like you know, the kids aren't going to get killed, but you're scared that they will. Yes, and so when when someone is confronted in these kind of dramas by something powerful. Yeah, it's genuinely threatening. Terminator Two being an example. Yeah, yeah. Or the like they've got a, the they've got a robot on their side, but the, the thing that's coming after them is so dangerous. Even uh-huh. even the first Terminator, the same. That they're just humans trying to run away. Once they can do incredible things, yeah, they might as well be robots. Yeah, exactly. So all of the sense is lost, and I think that's interesting. Watching Tron, going back to what we're talking about, because they still behave in a very human way. Yeah, like even. You know, because they are just like actors. They're not like, oh, we can flip you up in the air and you can fire beams, etc. Yeah. There is like a, so you inevitably feel that the characters are struggling. Yeah, you feel like a sense of danger. Yeah. Well, we see uh, we see Flynn and Yori run up to what looks like a, a dashboard. There's that big microfiche viewer that was being used in the earlier shots of the bridges, and it, and it looks you can I can see now that there's a big Sark's shuttle-sized hole cut out of the floor behind it so i guess they did just climb into a chunk of the bridge and fly out can can we can we talk for very briefly about the background how the background looks like a a 1996 
like like yeah angel fire kind of um web page are really badly tiled oh yeah totally oh yeah good call <laughs> oh man look at it you're like i can literally i can see the edge on yeah. the texture yeah that's, that's very scary yeah but that was so like this is the beginning, right? This is a proto proto movie, right? So, you, can you make it tileable? Yes, I can. Uh, can you make it tileable and look like it's not been tiled? Oh, well, why didn't you say that in the first place? You know, like. Well, I'm, I'm not quite sure because it's also like, is it meant to be clouds? No, it's meant to be. Oh gosh, you know what? I don't know because it's not like they are over a plateau with a big I think volcano. It's, it might. It still be the game sea, maybe. Uh, I, I think it's meant to be the ground, but yeah, you're right. I don't think they're up above the clouds. No, I, th- I think in the next shot they are definitely heading towards it, but it doesn't look yeah. anything like the no the thing the old guys walked along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Odd. Anyway. Yeah. Very odd. Uh, so it's nice of them to leave the controls to the carrier bes- behind instead of just taking them. But Flynn shouts at Yori, do something with these controls! And like she's an ace pilot so far and everything, but I just kind of like... He could have asked, you know, he could have said like, can you make heads or tails of this or something a little more polite? I mean, I know it's a nitpick because certain death is coming down the river for them. Uh, like, but are they scared of the de-resing window or do they want to head towards the MCP before they miss their window? Like, yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure where the panic is coming from, but Yori says I'm on it and starts pressing buttons on the displays. Flynn looks out the front hole of the bridge and sees the MCP with all its red spokes and says, the MCP, the heart of the whole system, and points at it, just in case the audience wasn't clear on the point at this point, I guess. Also, like, I have to point out that at this point, she's like, she's got the controls, but the thing is going in a straight line. <laughs> yeah, it does. Directly towards their destination. So she it's really like uh... taking control of a Disney ride and going to <laughs> do, do something with this. The yeah. is, like the lady is wangling the joystick back and forth. Yeah. Nothing is happening. We're still make getting this... straight. Yeah, make this, yeah. Make this train take a hard left. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. Cool. So uh, we get another shot of Sark's cruiser and it looks completely red wireframe now, even though I can. I can still hear the de-resing window happening, I think. It might be working on the tail at this point. And you you can just make out that the bridge of the cruiser is still gray and solid. So that's where Flynn and Yori are. So I guess Flynn's power is Maybe his power is keeping him... I think, the, I think the deal is that his power isn't letting the bridge de-res. Uh, then we cut to the older programs walking single file through a crack into the inner sanctum of the MCP. We get this wide shot of a section of wall... And one of the older programs flies across the screen like Clue did in the beginning of the film. Dumont slams against a torture panel on the wall like the one that took Clue out with a very painful looking impact. And Dumont's face twists in agony as power pulses through him, literally lighting up his skeleton, which I've always loved this effect because you can see his skull glowing blue. But (laughs) it does, I mean, like a lot of other parts of the film, it does beg the question, uh okay so programs have skeletons yes you know like wouldn't they just be energy wrapped around like a glowing core like now they've got bones you know i'm like okay well i love this effect but base base code yeah base code sure that can be there that's his uh that's his adult male dot program you know that's his that's the base code around it okay you just that's it that's good i'm i'm happy with that i can deal with that (laughs) 
uh, to get into the, the differences between the novel and the screenplay, uh, in the novel, it's pretty close, except that he almost kisses Yori to bring her back. And I'm glad they didn't quite uh, go down that road. Uh, the lieutenant I was talking about, I was wondering what the lieutenant was thinking about before he dies. He's actually daydreaming about getting back to the game grid and slaughtering prisoners. <laughs> so I take it back. He's a jerk. I feel no sympathy for him anymore. Um, there's a small explanation of just how Tron went from grabbing an edge of the carrier after the solar sailor crash and then scrambled over to the shuttle after hearing Sark's voice, hanging on through sheer force of will and hatred until the shuttle landed and then staying his hand so as not to alert the MCP to his presence, hanging back to kill the lieutenant before dashing up to the line of prisoners. Okay. Which I'm like, well, okay, those are holes that needed to be addressed. So thank you, thank you, Brian Daly, for including some of that, uh, some of that exposition in there. And as was, was it was it a good, like, d- did it genuinely like was it a good book? Yeah. Okay. So far, I mean, I've been going through it as I write the notes for the minutes. So. Um, I've been enjoying it. There's a lot of really nice uh, descriptions. There's a lot of moments that I had questions about that are expanded in the novelization. And uh, okay. it's it's a it's a very it's a decent read. It's a very decent read, and it's not long. It's not long at all. Uh, let's see. So we have a lot of time indoors nowadays. Exactly. Uh, the this this Sark. Let's see here. The in when the older programs walk in, it's fairly similar, except that Sark puts a hand on Dumont's shoulder before he goes in and says, "Don't worry, this will all be over soon." With a smug smile, uh, the de-resing is still unclear, except that Flynn sees portions of the cruiser de-resing, so it's not uniform. It's not like there's one line going back. It's like it's de-resing a part at a time. So he's just kind of hoping it lasts and stays solid until they can get to the MCP. He doesn't think he's got the power to hold something as large as his ship together like he did the Recognizer. Uh, in the screenplay, oh my gosh, we see the return of Bit. Really? Yeah, in the screenplay, Bit didn't get trapped in the blue Recognizer and is still around. So after Flynn saves Yori's life and says, I'm going to need your help, he, sm- he spots a small glow in the corner of the cell. He runs over to it and bends down, cupping the small glow in his hands, willing his energy into it, bringing, back, bringing Bit back to life as well. Bit says, yes. And Flynn says, I'm going to need your help to Bit as well, <laughs> which is kind of like, like Yori going, Yori's like, well, you needed my help, but you also need his help. Hey, we actually we we actually need a magic sidekick because yeah, you know, might be able to sell it as a toy. Well, yeah, that is yeah, that's something. It was it kind of looks like a Rubik's cube. We hit the hip with the kids right now. Yeah, if this movie would have done better, I'm sure we would have seen bit toys everywhere. And one interesting difference, though, when they describe the MCP, they say that it has a huge flat face that can appear anywhere on the beam of light that it wants. So it's not really spinning; it can just pop up wherever it wants to on the column which is kind of an interesting difference. Okay. And when Yori and Flynn get onto the de-rezzing bridge, there are two of Sark's crew there in mid-de-rez. Like, it's it's just casually mentioned, but it's like, <laughs> oh my God, did these guys draw the short straws or something? Did did they know that they were about to be... To stay behind. Stay oh, uh, well, any uh, particular reason? Yes, uh, I, I left something in my quarters. Yes, Could you, you go uh, and collect it? Please, uh, we'll be here when you come back, a double dog promise. Absolutely. Yes. Like... 
It, like it's how, not a good ride unless I kill a couple of my crew. And I wonder, like, how big of a crew do they need to run the ship? Because there was only four people on the shuttle, not including the prisoners. So I guess if there was a, you know, like a crew of 50 that just got derezzed there too, I guess being Sark's lieutenant does have its privileges. Like, you get to live. You know? <laughs> Kill everybody except you. Yes, sir. <laughs> no, I want you to go and fight the hero one on one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so when you said live, it didn't, you yeah, it didn't like a temporary state. Really sorry to hear that. Okay. But that takes us to the end of the minute. Um, do you want to come back and join us for minute eighty four? Sure. All right. I I would love to. Excellent. So uh, if you want to get in touch with us, check out more at Tronologically Speaking. Drop us a line on Twitter at Tronologically Speaking or an email. The Tronologically Speaking at gmail.com or join us on Facebook at the Tronologically Speaking Minute by Minute Listers page. Uh, go on over to Pond 5 for your music needs and go over to moviesbyminutes.com to check out the long list of movies by minutes that have been done so far. And if you do not see your favorite there, then consider doing it yourself. Uh, do you want to do a little end of line again on three? I give the worst end of line. Ah, hey, all right. It's good, it's though. Like a, it's like a British person going end of line. Yeah, which is it? Well, so is David Warner, so you've, uh, you're nailing it, right? <laughs> all right. One, two, three. End, end of line. Of line. <laughs> Perfect.